Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Core Concepts of Emergency Medicine. Sounds like rain. I think it's about to storm. Oh, it's about to storm, all right. I'm Jeremy Driscoll. This is Sean Murray. And this is Claire Milam. And we're here with EM Guidewire. This week, we're not talking about thunder and lightning. We're talking about thyroid storm, thyroid toxicosis, and everything in between. Thyroid storm is the most severe form of hyperthyroidism, where an organ failure begins to occur. If left untreated, this may lead to multi-organ failure and death. Thyroid storm represents an extreme manifestation of thyrotoxicosis. This is a true endocrine emergency. Now, saying that, thyroid storm is very rare, so the main challenge is just the simple fact of considering it. Having a high index of suspicion is key, especially in patients who have known hyperthyroidism, plus any new illness, or new onset atrial fibrillation or flutter, or a new dilated cardiomyopathy, or someone presenting with delirium, psychosis, but they're also febrile and tachycardic or your septic appearing patient without any focus of infection. Thyroid storm overlaps with a lot of other clinical entities and may be difficult to distinguish or diagnose. Because of this, it's something referred to as the great mimicker. Wow, that's really clever and profound. Thank you, Dr. Murray. I try. Now, what can trigger either thyrotoxicosis or thyroid storm? The number one overall cause is infection, but basically any stress on the body can provoke this condition, whether that's trauma, DKA, pulmonary embolism, MI, etc. In fact, there are specific thyroid-specific triggers, like overdosing on your levothyroxine, maybe not taking your medications for your Graves' disease, or an acute iodine load. An acute iodine load? Yeah, you know, the safest drug in the entire world that doesn't have any side effects, amiodarone. Even a contrast load from CT scans can trigger thyrotoxicosis or thyroid storm in certain patients. But it's important to remember up to 30% of patients have no identifiable precipitant. Great. Yeah, I know. Wonderful, right? Just like our job didn't get any harder. Now let's talk about some of the signs you may see or symptoms a patient with thyrotoxicosis or storm may present with. The basic idea is that all of your organs are going to be running at full speed. You may have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, delirium, psychosis, coma, hyperthermia, diaphoresis. The list goes on. Yeah, important to note that cardiac involvement is likely. You can develop new onset atrial dysrhythmias, just plain old tachycardia or high output or systolic heart failure. Okay, so I'm suspecting someone has hyperthyroidism. What lab should I order? So these patients are probably going to look pretty ill, so you're probably going to get your basic labs, your CBC, your CMP, coags, maybe mag and phos for that tachyarrhythmia. It's important to check liver enzymes and liver function studies because patients with thyroid storm or thyrotoxicosis can develop hepatic failure. I think this goes without being said, but if you're considering hyperthyroidism-related pathology, you should probably get your thyroid function studies. That's a TSH, a T4, and a T3. Now, some of the common lab findings once you get your studies back may be hyperglycemia, hypercalcemia, leukocytosis or leukopenia, and abnormal LFTs. Remember, though, evaluation includes making the diagnosis of thyroid storm while also looking at the same time for any potential trigger of the episode. There should generally be a low threshold for obtaining blood cultures and starting an infectious workup and giving antibiotics, especially if the patient's in shock. If severe enough, your coagulation studies may show significant derangements because severe hyperthyroidism can lead to DIC. Also, on that note, consider checking a creatinine kinase. 
as this condition can also cause rhabdo. Important though, thyroid labs are not worse than uncomplicated hyperthyroidism. The differentiation between hyperthyroidism and STORM is really based on clinical findings, not how severe the lab abnormality is. Now, making the diagnosis of thyroid storm can be tricky because it has so many overlapping features with other clinical syndromes. Not only that, but there's a continuum of severity, ranging from severe hyperthyroidism to thyroid storm. So, if you want to sound super smart when talking to your medicine or endocrinology colleagues, there's a scoring tool called the Birch-Wartofsky criteria. Nicely done. Very well said. That can help. It's a scoring system that assigns points to support whether thyroid storm is unlikely a storm is coming, or the storm is here. We won't get into details of this tool, but know that it exists and it can be used to help. Bottom line, remember that the diagnosis of thyroid storm is partially a diagnosis of exclusion. If you have any suspicion that a patient may have an impending thyroid storm, empiric treatment in the emergency department is pretty reasonable in any patient with severe hyperthyroidism causing organ failure, especially heart failure. Patients with borderline storm may improve rapidly in the emergency department, and then therapy can be de-escalated once in the ICU. Now we get to the fun part, treatment. Treatment for thyrotoxicosis and thyroid storm is very specific and actually requires you to follow a specific order of medications. So, what was everyone taught in medical school that the very first thing we should give these patients? Beta Beta blockers! blockers. I'm going to stop you right there. Let's hold on the beta blockers for now. Okay. Steroids are really going to be important. There's often associated adrenal insufficiency with thyroid storm. Not only that, but steroids also block the release of T4 from the thyroid gland and block the conversion of T4 to the more active form T3. I recommend using hydrocortisone, and you can use a loading dose of 300 milligrams IV. If you don't have that available, methylprednisolone is also a substitute at 60 milligrams IV. The cornerstone of therapy here is really going to be the thionamides. This is either methimazole or propylthiouracil, more commonly referred to as PTU. PTU is theoretically the more effective medicine compared to methimazole because it reduces peripheral conversion of T4 into T3. However, they're both pretty effective. Methimazole is the safest of these drugs as PTU has an FDA black box warning for hepatotoxicity. So if you've got one of these thyrotoxicosis patients with hepatitis, consider giving methimazole over PTU. So I forgot to tell you guys I'm pregnant. Congratulations. Um, And I'm also having a thyroid storm. Great. Oh, well, lucky you, uh, Dr. Milam. Well, in this case, I would say you should use PTU in the first trimester, but after that, methimazole is fairly safe in the following trimesters. Thank goodness. Thanks, guys. So let's talk about some more medications. Next, we need to give an iodine solution. Ah, yes, because of the Wolf-Tchaikov effect. Gesundheit, whatever you say, (laughs) Dr. Driscoll. Either way, giving iodine actually suppresses thyroid hormone release for reasons Dr. Driscoll will explain in a future episode of EM Guidewire. I'm not planning to participate in that episode because I'm not smart enough for that. Most important, though, Iodine must be given at least one hour after your thionamide to prevent increasing thyroid hormone synthesis. That's right. Block the thyroid first with methimazole or PTU. So different hospitals are going to have different formulations, of course. Here, we can give Lugol solution, 8 drops PO, or a saturated solution of potassium iodide, which is 5 drops PO. Now, based on strictly my anecdotal evidence, about 50% of the patients I see have an iodine allergy. Yeah, no kidding. In that case, you can use lithium instead of an iodine solution. Another medication to consider is cholestyramine, which binds thyroid hormone in the gut and prevents enterohepatic reabsorption. Okay, now let's get back to the beta blockers. All I'm saying is be careful about beta blockers. If there's one thing you take away from this podcast today is don't blindly give beta blockers without performing a complete hemodynamic evaluation. 
And what do I mean by that? I mean taking an ultrasound, throwing the probe on the patient's chest, and taking a look at their heart and their lungs. Beta blockade surely will exacerbate shock. These patients may actually have systolic heart failure, and giving them even one dose of propranolol may send them into decompensated shock and kill them. Yeah, this is another opportunity for us to do what we commonly do on this show and recommend the use of bedside ultrasound to help guide your resuscitation. If your patient has signs of cardiogenic shock with severely reduced ejection fraction or cardiogenic pulmonary edema, do not give them beta blockers. A moderate degree of compensatory tachycardia may be necessary to actually maintain adequate perfusion in some patients. Remember, the issue here really isn't tachycardia. It's just a symptom manifestation of the underlying condition. Aggressive beta blockade may cause more harm than benefit. Moderate tachycardia may be a compensatory response to shock, which improves cardiac output. However, severe tachycardia may be pathological, reducing ventricular filling and thereby exacerbating cardiovascular dysfunction. But if your patient doesn't show signs of cardiogenic shock, consider using either propanolol or esmolol. I would say propanolol is the ideal beta blocker here because it also blocks peripheral activation of T4 into T3. Certainly, though, esmolol is probably the safest option due to its very short half-life, and it's actually what most physicians in Japan use for thyroid storm. It's really easily titratable and has decreased mortality when compared to propanolol in patients with heart failure and thyroid storm. Okay, so on to further management of these patients. Remember, you're going to see numerous hemodynamic derangements, hypovolemia from sweating, vomiting, diarrhea, and insensible losses from fever. Start bolusing some IV fluids right away. And if your hemodynamics don't improve with fluid resuscitation, have a low threshold to initiate vasopressors. Consider using norepinephrine, or phenylephrine is a pretty good choice as well if your patient is already very tachycardic. Now, patients may be in an atrial dysrhythmia with tachycardia. This is most commonly AFib or a flutter with RVR. Consider giving empiric magnesium for this. Regarding their fever, give the usual acetaminophen, and if the patient has a very high fever, consider using cooling blankets, but you want to avoid shivering as, as this can increase myocardial oxygen demand. So my patient with this the other day was wigging out, super agitated, needed security to restrain them. What can I give for agitation? So it's really important to control agitation here. It's really difficult to treat them appropriately if you don't. Also, severe agitation can worsen the hyperthermia that they presented with. My go-to here is olanzapine, any way you can get it in, by mouth, IM, or IV. You can also give them haloperidol. There's some evidence that suggests that this might actually provoke thyroid storm, but most of the data out there shows it's pretty safe. All right, so that about covers it for today's episode. Let's do a brief recap. Maintain a high index of suspicion for thyroid storm. It commonly mimics other conditions with psychosis, like meningitis, hyperthermia, sepsis, or cardiogenic shock. Consider strongly covering all thyroid storm patients with broad-spectrum antibiotics and obtaining blood cultures. When in doubt, a few doses of antithyroid medication are unlikely to harm a youth thyroid patient. Be careful with beta blockers and always perform the bedside cardiac and pulmonary ultrasound. And remember, the specific order of medications you need to give. Well, that's about all we have to say about thyrotoxicosis and thyroid storm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Core Concepts. From the J. Lee Garvey Innovation Studio from Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina, this has been EM Guidewire. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go! Be awesome today! Seems he out. Shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You, you dog. I almost always pick rock. I don't know why I deviated. I scouted that. Enterohepatic reabsorption. Words are really.
You want to try that one more time? <laughs> yeah, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> Nailed it. So many hard things to say. I'm just... Including the outro. But also the worski bursky effect. The wolf. Well, Tchaikovsky. The birch, birch Wartowski effect? I'm not... I or the word you store? I would swear if I had to say that. 